Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the February 24th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. March Madness is almost here. We're a few weeks away. College basketball uh, conference tournament's about to start here in the next coming weeks. I think uh, the first one, Horizon League Conference, I believe, starts this week. Um, Before we get into that, how's everyone doing? How are you guys doing? You getting along okay? We're almost up to a year exactly since the start of the pandemic. It's insane that it's been this long. I don't even remember what it feels like uh, to live in a non-pandemic world anymore. It's nuts. I can't wait until I can finally go in stores without wearing a mask. It's going to feel so naughty doing it the first time. I can't wait, but I think I think we see light at the end of the tunnel. I think we're almost there, right? We have to be, right? Right? A few more months away, maybe this summer, things will be back normal. I don't know, but you guys hear enough about the pandemic. How how are you doing besides that? I'll tell you one thing. I have been an irritable asshole these past couple of weeks. Um, I know I've said it in the past that I was going to do it, and I haven't really stuck to my word, but now it's for real. I have been completely sober now for... Let me take a look here on my app. I've been 100% sober off alcohol and weed for 10 days, 9 hours, 58 minutes, and 28 seconds. Um, Longest I've gone completely sober since last summer, uh, and it's turned me into a complete irritable asshole. I will tell you that. But uh, for anyone else out there who's thinking about going sober or is currently going sober, uh, send me a message. Let's get through this together because it's tough. But I got to be honest, I had to do it. Uh, It's turning into a bit of a problem there. Um, not to get too serious, but, um, right before I went on this, I mean, it got to the point I was drinking like four or five nights a week, um, more than just a couple beer those nights. I was getting high every single night. Uh, I was hurting my bank account pretty bad. Um, not great on the mental health to be drinking and smoking weed that often. So I finally, I, I've, I think I've said it on the podcast before I've tried to go sober. It didn't work, but I'm committed this time. Uh, like I said, I've gone as long as I have now since last summer, since like last July. Um, and I got some momentum. I find always the first week is always the hardest to get through, especially the first weekend. Um, but once, if you can force yourself to get through kind of that first week, especially that first weekend without drinking, 
or smoking weed at all, it gets easier after that because then you kind of have momentum and then you kind of don't want to break the streak that you're on. So that's kind of some added incentive. So um, I know I was DMing someone, obviously not going to give their name, and I was talking to him about it, and he, and he was thinking about going sober because he said he's been drinking almost every night while betting on sports. So I know there's other people out there. Um, shoot me a message if you want someone to talk to. We can get through this together. Um, but yeah, 10 days, 10 hours. And now four seconds. Uh, it's been tough, though. It has turned me into an irritable asshole. I will tell you that. It's going to get better. But, man, I go on Twitter and see uh, things going on in the sports betting world nowadays. And, oh, my God, the amount of times I've written out tweets like chirping people or m- saying things about other people. And I just have to delete it. Um, and then I w- think about ranting about it on the podcast. But I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to be too negative. But, oh, boys, oh, boys. With how quickly sports betting has exploded, there are some morons in the sports betting world who have just, without any experience in sports betting, without any knowledge of sports betting, have just now rushed to the sports betting world and are now, um, some people are like the forefront of, of, of online social media presences in the sports betting world and they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, but that's fine. I'm staying positive. We're staying positive, people. We're going to get through this on this episode of the podcast. I got five college basketball picks, so a big slate. It's a fun slate uh, on Wednesday. Also got my breakdown for the uh, PJ Tour tournament, of course, um, the WGC Workday Championship, and I got two NHL picks as well. So five college basketball, two NHL, and then my uh, PJ Tour um, betting preview and picks. Uh, obviously the news came out today, Tiger Woods got in a car accident, I'm recording this now Tuesday night, um, so it's now come out, it's not life-threatening injuries, but it's it, it's come out, he broke both his legs, plus fractured his ankle, I think, not good, that sucks, that was scary there for a little bit, it kind of, um, it kind of felt like, uh, reminiscent of Kobe Bryant last year, I mean, I'm glad he's okay, I'm obviously glad he's alive, um, the number one important thing is that he's, alive that he survived it um that that of course is the number one important thing um you hate to talk about his golf career at that at this point because it kind of seems insignificant compared to uh obviously being safe and being there for his family um but i would it's hard for me to imagine him playing golf anymore i think this would be the end of his golf career but like i said that's kind of insignificant in the grand scheme of things but um I mean, I would be shocked if he golfs again. Just with all the injuries he was already battling, he could only do like six tournaments a year. Uh, and then he gets in a serious car crash, breaks both his legs and his ankles. So, and I'm sure his back's probably not feeling good after that car accident either, just after just having surgery a couple weeks ago. So, uh, the whole thing is, uh, uh, sucks. Not, not obviously not good, but uh, glad that he's at least uh, survived it. He seems to not be in completely critical condition. Um, hopefully he makes a full recovery. And I'm like, I said, I'm just glad that he survived and he's still going to be there for his family. That would have been devastating. Um, if something even more serious happened, but, um, yeah, how to talk with that, obviously massive news in the sports world and in the golf world, of course. Um, what else? Yeah. March madness coming up in a few weeks. Um, Oh, one thing I did want to talk about, um, college basketball teasing, teasing college basketball game seems a little bit more relevant. I think I might've talked about this on the podcast at the start of the college basketball season, I can't remember if I did or not, but I'm seeing it a little bit more nowadays, and it's probably worth repeating as we head into the conference tournaments uh, in March Madness. Uh, Don't tease college basketball games. Uh, The only sport you should tease is football and probably NFL. You probably shouldn't tease college football either. Uh, The main reason why is because there's key numbers that get crossed in the NFL. 
three and seven. Obviously, field goals three, touchdowns seven. So if you can tease things across those key numbers, that's kind of when you want to tease things in the NFL. There are no key numbers in college basketball. Uh, with the amount of points that are scored in a game, um, teasing it a couple of points, or I see some people buy hooks. Don't do that. That's even stupider to buy a hook in a game. Now, when I bring this up, I've brought this on Twitter in the past, a month's past, and people will, will respond by saying, yeah, but I bought the point in this one game and it saved my ass. Yeah. If you buy points or if, or if you tease points um, every now and then, uh, you'll win the bet because you, you bought the point. That's not the point. I'm, I'm not saying that you would never, ever win a bet because you bought or teased a point. Um, my point is that if you're, if you're, I mean, you're paying more to, to buy a point. That's obviously why it's called buying a point. Over the grand scheme of things, let's say you buy a point in 100 college basketball games. Um, the amount that you, the amount of money that you would win on the bets where buying the point works in your favor would not be offset by the amount of times you bought the point and it didn't come into play whatsoever. So even though you can think of those couple of times where buying the point saved you and won the bet for you over the long term, the amount of times you bought the point and it didn't matter, uh, the difference between that and just betting the normal spread is going to off- offset way more um, than uh, the times that th- those bets hit because you bought the point. Um, and I, 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 there's some kind of statistics about, about how many games are within a few points of the spread. Um, it's like NFL. I think it's like 20% of games. Or I'm pulling this number out of my ass. I should have brought it up. I don't have it in front of me. But a, a, a significant, a significantly larger amount of games in the NFL are decided within a certain amount of points of the spread. Whereas college basketball, it's way less significant. It's like 5% compared to 20%. Um, now I'm pulling those numbers out of my ass. Don't quote me on those on that, but it's it's that similar of a difference. So um, even though, because like I said, every time I bring this up, people want to bring up an example. Yeah, but uh, I bought a point. Th- I bought half a point this time, and it saved me. Or yeah, I could have bought half a point this time, and it would have saved me. Yes, it will every now and then save you. But we're thinking long term, and sports betting, you always have to think long term. And I'm guarantee you. Doing buy, teasing points in college basketball, buying hooks in college basketball is not a good move long term, and you should never, ever, ever do it. Trust me on that. I've had way too many people argue with me about it. I've seen people have conversations about it on Twitter. Never a good idea for college basketball. Live and die by what the spread is set at. Leave it as that. But yes, let's get into my picks for today. I'm getting hot. I have to get hot. I'm willing it into existence. Tonight's picks as I'm recording this. Started off with West Virginia win. Recorded a video saying, uh, celebrating the win, saying I'm going to will a hot streak into existence. And now my next two over bets uh, have lost. And yeah, this Kansas State-Oklahoma game doesn't look like it's going to overtime, so that's going to lose as well. But fuck it. One and two tonight. Fuck it. Then the hot streak starts today and Wednesday. Last week's episode of the podcast, I think I think it went four and one with the NHL picks. Golf picks didn't go quite as well, but I'll get into that when I talk about uh, golf here after the intro. But uh, yeah, that's it. Fuck it. Let's get into the February 24th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. Okay, let's get into the PJ Tour portion of the podcast here. 
This week's event, the WGC Workday Championship. Uh, there is, of course, the Puerto Rico Open this week as well. I'm not going to talk about that. That's going to be a minor event. Nobody wants to watch that. So we're going to talk about the WGC Workday Championship. Uh, before I get into that, let's uh, quickly recap last week's event, the Genesis Invitational. Once again, and obviously I'm biased here. I hope you guys would agree with me. I think I'm seeing these, like, I feel like I'm handicapping these tournaments well, but the bets just aren't hitting. They just keep melting down for me on Sunday. It's very frustrating because what's happening in the tournaments is, is I'm, I think I'm handicapping them well. I don't know. Am I not? Last week, okay, DeChambeau, bad week. I probably shouldn't have bet on DeChambeau given how similar uh, Riviera is to Augusta um, and he he just played bad, and he might have been a little bit rusty as well. Um, <laughs> more on DeChambeau here in a little bit. So DeChambeau, terrible first round, couldn't recover in the second round. Um, bad bet for sure. Cantlay, well, what was he? Was he tied for the lead after the first? No, he was, he was near the top of the leaderboard all through rounds on Saturday. Um, he was on his back nine when he birdied a hole to become solo second. Looked like he was going to go on a great run. Uh, I tweeted out the eyes emoji, Bo Cantley, which I've now learned is the kiss of death because after I, and that was on like hole, what, 13 on Saturday, solo second. And then the rest of the way out, the rest of his, of his third round and then his final round, he shot a total of four over. Uh, only one birdie in that in like, in like the next 20 holes after I sent the eyes emoji. So the eyes emoji is officially a curse. Cantley looked great, played great, and then just melted down the last few holes on Saturday and, and then on Sunday. And then he didn't. He, he completely fell, fell over the top 10. I thought at least going into Sunday he'd finish top 10 to cash the top 10 bet. And then he finished, I think, one stroke over to top 10. Bad luck. Um, I thought, I yeah, I of course fit him well, I thought, and he just he just melted down. Um, Mackenzie Hughes hovered around top 20 the entire tournament. Uh, he was in the top 20 on Sunday and then hit two bogeys down the stretch to fall two strokes over the top 20. Uh, and that was like a plus 485 or something bet. So it, both my guys are right there and they just couldn't close it out. I will say I, I really regret not taking a longer look at Max Homa. That one's on me. That was a mistake that, that, was 100% on me. It was his home course. He was comfortable playing there. He'd been playing well recently. He was at a great price. I'm kicking myself for not taking a harder look at Max Homa. Hand up. That was a big mistake I made. I should... Max Homa was the play. I think I got too caught up last week in the statistics instead of looking at kind of knowing the course and course history and guys who are from the area and things like that. I think I just got a little bit too caught up in the statistics last week. So hand up. Congratulations to Max Homa. Great win. He looked fantastic. Um, missing that three putt birdie, um, birdie putt on 18, which would have sealed the win. I mean, that's, that's the stuff of nightmares. That's the stuff of nightmares. So credit to him for recovering and then winning in the playoff, hitting that insane shot when the ball was up against the tree. Also, I did live bet on him in the playoff at even money. Um, so I did win that at least because Tony Finau is the biggest choker in the world. And I've lost in the playoff and, he was in the playoff in the waste management uh, last year and I had big money on him and he blew it. So I faded him for that reason out of spite and it worked out for me. So congratulations to Max Homa. I, like I said, I think out of all the tournaments so far in 2021, I think that was my biggest one where I was kicking myself for not taking a longer look at him. Home course played well recently. Good form. 
he should have been a good play at that price. So that one's on me. I'm going to try not to make similar mistakes moving forward. Uh, but that's a little recap of last week. Let's get into this week's WGC Workday Championship. Used to be called the WGC, I think it was just, what, Mexico Championship? This is the event that was always uh, down in Mexico. Um, it got relocated this year, so new location, new name. Uh, was it relocated because of COVID? Probably, um, but they didn't exactly say that was the reason specifically. Uh, some whispers are that they might actually make this event alternate back and forth between um, a location in the States and a location in Europe, since it is a WGC event, this uh uh, points and, and purse and things like that count as both in the PJ Tour and the Europe, European Tour. So um, kind of a shared event, these WGC events. I uh, don't know if they'll return to Mexico or not, but Workday Championship, it's being held at a course that we've never had, that has never hosted a PJ Tour event. It is the Concession Golf Club in Bradenton, Bradenton, Florida. Uh, probably mispronouncing that, but um, this is going to make it extremely tough for us, for us betters, for us golf betters. One thing that we look at and that we should look at and put a lot of value on is guys who know the course, look at previous years, how guys have performed at the courses in previous years, how they played at the at the courses, um, and we don't have that because no one with an asterisk, more on that in a little bit, but no one has competed at this course during a PGA Tour event, so we have no reference whatsoever stats are going to be tough because we don't know what's important at this course since we've never seen a pga tour tournament at this course so very difficult course very difficult event to handicap when it's a brand new course but i'm going to try my best here um it is a course designed by jack nicholas and tony jacklin um it's called the concession course because of the was it i believe the Ryder cup um and i think it was at 19 fuck i'm gonna get the year wrong was it 68 it was some famous Ryder Cup um, way before my time, and Jack Nicholas hold out on the last hole, I think it was, uh, for par, which the Tony Jacklin was on Team Europe, and all he had to hit was a three-foot putt to have the match, and Jack Nicholas gave him the three-foot putt, which was a big deal at the time. No one would do that now, would concede a three-foot putt, especially in something like the Ryder Cup. Um, so, I mean, when you um, give someone... Uh, a putt like that you concede so it's the concession so these two guys built this golf course together and they named it after that great moment of sportsmanship in the history of golf the concession uh so it's great golf course i've heard great things especially about the putting greens apparently uh whispers are this is going to be one of the if not the nicest putting surfaces that they'll be competing on all year so i'm very interested to see how this course plays it's going to be very very fun uh but let's get into some stats here with this being a course that we haven't had any experience on that we don't have any reference point on stats are going to be pretty basic we can't key in on any area because we have no idea what's important and what's not important i will say apparently they took inspiration from some courses like augusta riviera and mirfield village um some like there's like three or four holes that are inspired by three or four holes at those courses so Probably looking at guys who competed well at Riviera last week's probably a good starting point. Now, one of my picks is going to go completely against that, but I'll explain that pick in a second. So my key stats, my five key stats, like I said, we can't get specific, so very basic. Strokes gain, tee to greens, the first one, which is just going to give us an overview of how guys are going to be playing from the tee box to the green. Um, this is not going to be a tournament where a guy who's been bad lately is going to all of a sudden turn it on and get hot. 
Um, that's This is just not going to be an event. So look at guys who just have been playing well recently. So strokes gain, tee to green will give us a good indication of that. Ball striking is the next one. Um, it seems to be, from the little bit I've studied about the course, um, that it's going to be uh, iron play is going to be a little bit more important than off the tee. So we're going to roll in uh, total driving and with greens and regulation, which is what ball striking is. Uh, apparently the greens are very small and apparently uh, the areas around the green are treacherous. A lot of sand traps, a lot of hills around the green. So hitting the greens are going to be important. Um, and that's why I'm adding on strokes gained approach to the green as well. And with the greens being sp small and with all the areas around the greens being difficult, um, strokes gained around the green as well. We need guys that are going to be able to get up and down for power if they do, in fact, miss the green, much like at Riviera last week. And then finally, strokes gained putting. So nothing fancy here. Just recap those five key stats. Strokes gained tee to green, ball striking, stroke get, strokes gained approach to the green, and then strokes gained around the green, and then strokes gained putting. So basically, all of the strokes gained categories. I mean, that's that's all of them, isn't it? Oh, strokes gained off the tee. I guess I just kind of rolled that into ball striking. So we're going to keep it pretty simple here. You don't want to rely too, too heavily on stats because we just don't know what it is that's the most important thing at this golf course. I can't reiterate that enough. It's going to be, it's going to be tough, but um, I do have two bets locked in, and I do like both of them. So let's get into those right now. My two outrights, I'm going to do the same thing as I did last week. I'm going to do two outrights, and then I'm also going to take a uh, top 10 in both of them. I don't have a dark horse top 20 uh, because, like I said, like I keep saying, tough course to handicap. If you're looking for a dark horse, you want to look at someone who's not necessarily as good as the top portion of golfers, but they have an aspect of their game that fits the course well. And because we don't know what fits the course well, then it's kind of hard to point those guys out. So I'm just sticking with the two uh, outrights tomorrow on guys and bets. I'll probably do a, a full tournament matchup pick as well. Uh, so tune in to guys and bets for that. But let's get into my two picks here. Going to start off with, and this is, this is I might regret this. I'm back on Bryson DeChambeau for the second straight week. I got him at 20 to 1. I think that's a fantastic price. Now, I know your media thought is, Ian, he sucked last week. You said to bet on guys who been playing well. Yes, that's true. Um, you also said bet on guys who played well at Muirfield Village and Bryson DeChambeau look like shit. Yes, that's true. But key thing about this, this uh, uh, course has not hosted a PGA Tour event, but what it did host is the 2015 NCAA Championship. The winner of the 2015 NCAA Championship, our very own Bryson DeChambeau. So he is the only guy in the field, I, I think there might be, be, I don't know, actually, I don't think there is. I, I think there are a couple other guys on PJ Tour who were in that 2015 NCAA championship. I know CT Pan was, um, but CT Pan's not in the field, and I don't think anyone else who played in that championship is in the field this week either. I think Bryson DeChambeau is the only one in the field who has played at this course competitively, and he won the event. So, I mean, one he played one event here. I don't know if experience at the course is really going to give him a huge advantage. It was only one event. But he, you have to think he at least is going to have a little bit of confidence going into this event, knowing he's not only played here in the past and competed here, but he's won here. Obviously going to be a little bit tougher competition playing against uh, the best of the best in the WGC, but he has to have a, that little bit of confidence knowing he's come out on top playing here before. Um, so, I mean, in an event where we don't really have anything else to kind of base our pick off of, I think that's worth mentioning. Um, also, yes, he did have a bad first round last week. He did have a better Friday round, not quite enough to make the cut. Um, I think he was a little bit rusty. It was his first PGA Tour event in a while. Um, 
I don't know, man. 20 to 1, I think that's an insane price for Bryson DeChambeau. He's still one of the best golfers in the world. I think there's value on him. Um, I really hope I don't regret it this week. I might. Maybe I'm putting too much value into that NCAA championship here at Concession Golf Club, but... Uh, Hey, it's as good of a thing to base a bet off of as anything, and his stats are still very, very good despite the bad week last week. So, I don't know. I'm going to chalk up last week's miscut to a little bit of rust. Give me Bryson DeChambeau 20 to 1 to win, and Bryson DeChambeau plus 185, top 10. Uh, my second pick, uh, my least favorite golfer on tour, should be everyone's least favorite golfer on tour, and he's actually the defending champ here, and that's Patrick Reed. I got him at 29 to 1. And his top 10, I don't have it written down here, plus 250. So plus 250 top 10 and 29 to 1 to win. Um, he is the defending champ. That doesn't mean anything because last year's event was at a completely different course. Um, but, I mean, 29 to 1 on a guy who's coming off a win. His last, I mean, the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines, he won. And he he's the best short game player in on the PGA Tour right now, I think. Um, and judging by, and like I said, I, I did research the course. I looked at the whole by whole, to, the whole by whole tour that you can do virtual tour. I watched a couple of YouTube videos on it. It seems to me that the short game is going to be important, um, here at this track. The, the, the greens are just treacherous. They're very smooth, but there are a lot of undulations. They're going to play very, very fast. Um, uh, the areas around the green are going to be very tough. Um, Patrick Reed's entering the event second on the PJ tour in strokes gain putting. And he's also top 10 in a couple other key stats. Um, sand save percentage, I think he's second as well, or seventh. He's somewhere in the top 10. He's first in scrambling from the fringe. Um, so he's not the best iron player, that's for sure. But his short game is so good. I mean, he Torrey Pines, which is, which is uh, historically known as, as a long hitter's course, Patrick Reed won the event at Torrey Pines because his short game was just that good. And, I mean... You can't be in better form than coming off a win. So I think there's a lot of value there. Patrick Reed, he did, like I said, he won the event last year, but take that for what it's worth. It was at a it was at a completely different course in Mexico. So those are my two picks. Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed, outright and top 10. I think those are the best value picks on the board this week. I mean, I mean you could look at Dustin Johnson. He played well again last week despite not winning. Uh, Roy McIlroy, the way he's been playing, has no business being 16 to one. Uh, Patrick Hanley, eight, 18 to one, he can go fuck himself, or I'm choking on me now. Um, Terrell Hatton, 20 to one, could be an interesting play. Tony Finau, don't ever bet on Tony Finau to win an event. He's uh, the biggest choker in sports history. Um, Justin Thomas, 18 to one, might not be a bad play. Uh, Ber- Daniel Berger, 28 to one, is not a bad play. That's not a, uh, a bad play for Daniel Berger there at that price. I don't hate that. Harris English, 50 to 1. I don't hate that price either. Wow. Yeah, I kind of like that Harris English, 50 to 1. So I might look at him for some three ball bets or maybe a matchup bet that I'll give out on guys and bets tomorrow. But there you go. That's my breakdown for the WGC Workday Championship. Best of luck with uh, whatever you decide to do. Um, let's get into my college basketball picks for Wednesday, February 25th. Fantastic board fantastic board i'm getting so hyped up with college basketball now we're just a few weeks away from march madness and i think it's going to be a nuts march madness tournament now i am going to talk about some conference tournament odds as well but that'll be on next week's show um as we get a little bit closer to the conference tournaments um i would have talked about some horizon league futures because i think that conference tournament starts this thursday but i couldn't find a sports book that offered futures on it 
as of Tuesday night recording this podcast. So um, should be Cleveland State should win that. I think the way their tournament set up, I think they have a bye. They have a bye week as well. Um, but yeah, Cleveland State's by far by far and away the best Horizon League conference team, I think. Um, but I don't know what their odds are to win outright because I don't have a sports book offering futures on that conference for some reason. Uh, but let's get into my college basketball picks here for February twenty fourth. Going to start with the Battle of the Georges. George Washington against George Mason. And I'm going to take George Washington plus eight over George Mason. The Battle of the Georges. Who's a superior George? Uh, shout out George Batar, one of my high school friends. Uh, t- <laughs> the, the true king of the Georges. Um, yeah, I'm going to take George Washington here. I think the too many numbers are too close to justify an eight-point spread. Uh, George Washington has better offensive numbers overall, 89th in effective field goal percentage compared to George Mason, 228th. Also important to note, George Mason actually plays very well on the road. Their field goal percentage goes up, sorry, their effective field goal uh, uh, percentage goes up 3.2% on the road compared to at home. Um, George Washington also 94th in floor percentage compared to George Mason at 212th. Now I will say, George Mason does have a significant defensive advantage. For example, opponent floor percentage, they're 79th compared to, compared to George Washington at 234th. But, in my opinion, to justify an 8-point spread, that team better be at least a little bit better both on the offensive side of the floor and the defensive side of the floor, and that's not the case here. George Washington is, clearly has the better offensive numbers, um, and I don't think you can justify an eight-point spread when one team is clearly better offensively. But like I said, George Mason is much better defensively. That is fair. Um, but yeah, and, and like I said uh, uh, a couple of minutes ago there, George Washington, the better, they play well on the road. Um, so their average scoring margin at home, minus 1.3. Average scoring margin on the road, plus 0.8. So not a huge difference. Um, and scoring margin bigger difference when you look at some things like field goal percentage but they travel well they're one of the few teams that actually have better numbers on the road compared to at home Um, neither team by the way favors a two-point shot a three-point shot much Um, things like turnovers they're they're somewhat close Um, rebounding they're somewhat close slight advantage to George Mason but numbers too close to justify an eight-point spread in my opinion so I will take George Washington plus eight against George Mason in that one. Um, taking another underdog here. This one's going to be a fun game. Like I said, Wednesday in general is is, is an interesting uh, board. This one's a uh, an interesting Ode of Conference matchup I didn't even know was happening. Um, Marquette against UNC is happening, and I had no idea like these two teams are playing against each other. Um, I'm taking Marquette plus 8.5 against UNC. I'll take the underdog from the Big East here. Uh, and I was on them last week against... Um, it was a Butler last week, and I had their money line, and they won by a million. That was one of the easiest bets I've hit all week, so I, I like Marquette. I might might have to get a Marquette jersey. I don't know. We'll see. if Maybe if they win this bet for me, maybe I will. Um, but I'm kind of on them for the same reason this week as I was on them uh, last week, and that is their interior defense. UNC, ninth in two-point shot rate, so they keep it down low. Marquette, 14th in opponent two-point field goal percentage, and just 46.1% of points scored against Marquette come from two-point field goals. That's the 40th best mark in the country. So Marquette very clearly is good interiorly. That's not a word. They are good with their interior defense, and UNC um, does not shoot very many threes whatsoever. So advantage Marquette there. 
Um, and then another big part of UNC's success is their rebounding. They're first in the country in rebounding percentage, but Marquette should be able to hang with them. Marquette's 67th in rebounding advantage, so not a huge advantage for UNC. Um, now, Marquette doesn't really favor the two-point shot or the three-point shot, but uh, if they're smart, they're going to attack UNC on the perimeter. The Tar Heels rank 261st in opponent three-point field goal percentage, and Marquette certainly can get hot from three. So I hope they get smart and shoot a lot of threes in this game. Um, if they have an average game shooting threes, they should be able to hang in there with UNC considering how good their defensive matchup is. Um, and also, by the way, speaking of field goal percentage, Marquette 135th in effective field goal percentage, UNC 236th. So pretty significant advantage there for Marquette in effective field goal percentage. And is the competition in the Big East that much worse than the ACC? I don't know. I mean, that's that's something you have to consider in these OTA Conference matchups is the stats are one thing, but these stats are mainly against teams in their own conference. Now, I would in most seasons, I would say the ACC is much better than the Big East, but that does not seem to be the case this season, in my opinion. ACC, not a strong conference whatsoever, in my opinion. They had that competition with, what, the Big Ten near the start of the year, and the Big Ten wiped the floor with them. I think they won almost every matchup except one or two. Uh, ACC, not strong. I think Big East is, is a pretty good conference this year, so I like Marquette getting the 8.5 points. I wouldn't take their money line, but getting 8.5 points, I love that. So Marquette plus 8.5. Uh, let's move over to the SEC, Mississippi State, minus six against South Carolina. I firmly believe Mississippi State is much better in the record. What are they? I think eight and nine in their conference, but their stats are much better than that record indicates, so I love them here against a South Carolina team that, let's be honest, stinks. I'm just going to rattle off some stats here really quick. 78th in floor percentage compared to South Carolina, 211th. 45th in opponent floor percentage, South Carolina, 242nd, so big advantage on defense. 21st in rebounding percentage, South Carolina 167th, 153rd in effective field goal percentage, South Carolina 262nd, South Carolina also 312th in personal fouls per game, that is never good, uh, Mississippi State 11th in two-point shot rate, so they keep it down low as well, meanwhile South Carolina 252nd in opponent two-point field goal percentage. Also, Mississippi State beat them by 16 points on the road a couple weeks ago, and now they're just six-point favorites at home. I think this is an easy bet. I think we're getting a better number on Mississippi State because of their subpar record. Um, but like I said, I firmly believe I think Mississippi State is much better than their record indicates. So I will take Mississippi State minus six against South Carolina. All right, let's move on here. Uh, here's a game between two absolute shitty-ass teams. Um, but I like the underdog here. Lamar against Incarnate Word. Is that an Incarnate Word? What a dumb name for a school. Um, Battle of the Cardinals. Earlier on the show there, we had the Battle of the Georges. This game is the Battle of the Cardinals. Lamar Cardinals against an Incarnate Word Cardinals. Incarnate Word or Ward? Doesn't matter. The, both these teams suck. Extremely shitty teams playing here. I'm taking Lamar plus three, though. After looking at the stats, I think Lamar should be the slight favorite. But the books are giving them, I uh, have them set as a slight underdog. So I will take them plus the points here. Um, I don't really have any sexy stats to rattle off because, like I said, they both suck. But uh, here are a couple things that are interesting. Effective field goal, uh, sorry, effective possession ratio. One of my favorite stats to look at. Lamar, 183rd, incarnate word, 324th. And then opponent effective possession ratio, 
Lamar 155th, Incarnate Word 288th, so significant advantage there, both in effective possession ratio and opponent effective possession ratio. And then also, if we look at a stylistic matchup here, Lamar keeps the ball down low, 14th in two-point shot rate, Incarnate Word 337th, a.k.a. 10th last in the country, and opponent two-point field goal percentage. If you want to take money line, I wouldn't blame you, but between two shitty-ass teams, I don't want to risk it. I'm just going to take Lamar plus three against Incarnate Word. That doesn't sound right. That's a dumb name. Um, and then we got another, we're heading back to the SEC. Very, very interesting matchup. We got Arkansas and Alabama. Alabama, Arkansas, I do love my mom, pa, not the way that I do love you. You guys know that song? I'm going to be singing that song all game tomorrow. Let's play Google. Play Home by... The fuck's the name of that band? What's the name of that band? Help me out, people who are listening to this in the future. Um, i got to Google it now. Home by... Oh, there it is. This bit has now gone on too long. Hey, Google, play Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Hey, Google, play Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Sure, playing on Spotify. I mean, if you don't know the song, what are you doing? I'm just going to be singing the first line over and over all game tomorrow while I'm playing, or while while uh, while I'm watching it. I'm taking Arkansas, though. Taking Arkansas, it's a pick em. I'm taking the minus 110. Sing it, Edward Sharp. All right, Google, stop. Hey, Google, stop. Fucking technology, man. Robots aren't taking over yet. They can barely uh, figure out a simple command, uh, voice command. Um, but yeah, <laughs> taking Arkansas. That bit went on way too long. Um, Arkansas, big time home team. If you want it, Alabama, Arkansas. That song is gonna be stuck in my head all day tomorrow. Uh, Arkansas, big time home team here. Much much better at home compared to at home uh, and compared to on on the road. Arkansas average scoring margin plus twenty point six at home, minus two point one on the road. So what's that? Quick math. That's a 22.7 point differential at home compared to at road on the road. Opposite for Alabama, their average scoring margin goes from plus 14.9 at home to plus 5.5 on the road. By the way, shout out the guy um, who uh, is a big Alabama fan. And every time I bet against Alabama, he gets mad at me and says, never bet against the tide. I'm sorry. I'm betting against your tide today, buddy. Uh, Arkansas. Rebounding advantage, they're 45th, Alabama's 121st, Alabama 16th in three-point shot rate, Arkansas 80th in opponent three-point field goal percentage, even better at home. At home, they keep teams to shooting just 25.8% from beyond the arc. And then for general defensive statistics, both teams are pretty even. I can see why this game's a pick'em, but I, I'm going to predict by the time that you are listening to this podcast, Alabama will be a slight fa- uh, favorite. Uh, they're near the top of the odds list uh, to win the national championship. A lot of people love Alabama. I think they're going to be a public favorite tomorrow, um, today, if you're listening to this. Uh, I'm not sold, though. I'm not completely sold on Alabama. I don't love their stats. They're not, usually if you're talking about a team that's ranked in the top 10 
they should dominate most statistics in Alabama, don't they? Hover around like the 100th mark and quite a bit of them. Let's look at, at effective possession ratio. Arkansas 22nd in effective possession ratio, Alabama 118th. Arkansas 71st in opponent effective possession ratio, Alabama 144th. Um, so I should just wait for tomorrow to bet this because, I, like I said, I think Alabama is going to end up a two-point, two-and-a-half-point favorite, but fuck it. I locked these in before uh, I record, and I got Arkansas as a pick and minus 110 at home against Alabama. Alabama, Arkansas. Um, all right, let's go over to the NHL. Two NHL picks. I've done pretty well with NHL so far this season, if I do say so myself. Uh, let's keep that rolling here um, tomorrow night or tonight, I guess. Um, Hurricanes, Lightning, and I think this is a bit of an early start. I think this is 5 p.m. Eastern, so heads up. But I like the over 6, and you might want to jump on this sooner rather than later. I assume this is going to move up to 6.5. Hurricanes first in the NHL in 5-on-5 high-danger scoring chances per 60 minutes. Lightning are 7th. To to add to that, they're also 2nd and 7th in 5-on-5 goals per 60 minutes. Uh, Both teams are around middle of the pack in opponent high-danger scoring chances per 60 minutes. Um... So not a huge difference there, but definitely they both definitely get more offensive high da- they sorry, they get a lot of high danger scoring chances on offense. They do give up a fair amount on defense, um, but they aren't the worst in the league. They're both around middle of the pack. Lightning also fifth and five on five shooting percentage. Hurricanes are tenth, so they are they they're they've been putting the puck in the net. Uh and like I said, grab this at six before it jumps to six and a half. So Hurricanes Lightning over six. Uh, my NHL handicapping is always going to be a little bit quicker than my college basketball handicapping. I keep it simple for the most part when it comes to NHL handicapping. I look at Corsi percentage, power play, penalty kill, high danger scoring chances for and against, shooting percentage, and then the goaltending matchup. And that's pretty much it. And a sport like hockey where it's just so random i don't know if random is necessarily the right word but it's such a volatile sport i mean the puck the weird bounces there's only a couple of handful of game uh, goals in every game um you can only look at so many statistics looking at every single advanced statistic is you're, you're gonna drown yourself in statistics so i like to keep it simple in the nhl as far as my handicapping goes and it's been working uh, for me so far this season so let's keep that rolling my other pick's gonna be rangers even money even money underdog against the Flyers. Flyers, Philadelphia Flyers last in the NHL in 5-on-5 Corsi percentage. Fifth last in 5-on-5 high danger scoring chances per 60 minutes. Carter Hart, who I assume starting but it's not confirmed. 3.67 goals against average. 8.91 save percentage. Those are not good. The only thing that's been saving the Flyers this season is that they've been absolutely sniping the puck. 13.11 shooting percentage when it's five on five that's first in the nhl by a significant amount but i always look at shooting percentages as one that will fluctuate it's hard to keep up a high shooting percentage throughout the duration of the season and also they're going up against igor shesterkin who i think is the best young goalie in the nhl um right now 2.23 goals against average this season 0.922 save percentage now he has been confirmed as the starting goalie for this game so i like that he's had a great start to the season um, and then as far as the rest of the Rangers go, I mean, I don't really have anything significant. They're middle of the pack in almost everything. Corsi, high danger scoring chances, everything. They're around middle of the pack. This is more of a fade of the Flyers, who I think are not as good as their record indicates. And that shows in Corsi percentage and in 5-on-5 five five high danger scoring chances as well. So I'm going to take a shot on the Rangers as a slight even money underdog on the road against the Flyers on Wednesday night. So there you have it. Wow, we're over 40 minutes already, eh? 
All right, I'll quickly recap all of my picks here, and then that'll be the end of the show. Um, Bryce and DeChambeau, 20 to 1 to win. Top 10. Shit, what were his top 10 odds? Top 10. Plus 160, top 10. Patrick Reed, 29 to 1 to win. Top 20, top 10, plus 240. Uh, and then college basketball, we got George Washington, plus 8 versus George Mason. Marquette, plus 8.5 versus UNC. Mississippi State, minus 6 versus South Carolina. Lamar, plus 3 versus Incarnate Word. Arkansas, minus 110 against Alabama. Alabama, Arkansas. Um, Hurricanes, Lightning over 6. Rangers, even money versus Flyers. There you have it, friends. I uh, hope you all take care of yourselves. Um, tune in to Guys and Bets on Wednesday as well. I'll have uh, one or two separate picks for that. That'll be separate from the show today. Let's get hot. Let's go on it. Let's, let's do it. Let's fuck around going a little hot streak here, eh? Why not? Let's do it. Oh, let me check my bet here. Uh, wow, Kansas State upset Oklahoma. That's a massive upset. And, of course, the uh, over didn't hit, so... <laughs> one and two on Tuesday night. That's okay. We're gonna. I'm going seven and zero on Thursday or on Wednesday night. Let's go. Let's do it. Hey, okay? come on. Let's get hot. March Madness right around the corner. I can't wait. Um, appreciate you all listening. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Rate it. Review it if you can. Donate link is in the description if you want to donate. Don't if you don't want to. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Love you all. I will talk to you all next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.